What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Hi, this is Bob Vila. Hoping you build yourself a merry little Christmas and enjoy an improved New Year. The Bob Seska Show. Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, December 1, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, how you doing? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 316 of the Biden-Harris administration, 342 days until the 22 midterms. I am on Instagram at the Bob Seska, and I'm on Twitter at Bob Seska underscore go. So I spent the first half of the day today listening to the Supreme Court arguments on the Mississippi 15-week abortion ban. So I could use a little bit of sanity and straight talk right now from one of my favorite returning guests. The great Donna Halper returns to the show today to talk about messaging, fascism, abortion rights, the news media, and of course, my favorite band in the whole wide world, Rush, duh, which Donna, of course, introduced to America back in the early 1970s. Speaking of that, if you're new to the show, you're going to want to stick around for this hour. Donna is not only a legendary radio DJ, she's also a professor of media communications, and she maintains a blog called Dialogue and Discourse, link in the description. Meantime, please help support this independent podcast by subscribing to our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. Okay, here comes me and the great Donna Halper. Hello, you're caller 10. Oh my God, what do I win? <laughs> Have you got a camera? Have yes. you got a camera? You get Why a... don't you like put it on for a second just so I can see your handsome face in the place? All right, I'll turn on my video here for a second. The problem is my camera is on the side of my desk. So Oh, I know... don't, seriously, the, you don't have to keep it on for the show. I just, you know. Yeah, here we are. Hi, honey. Hi, <laughs> good to see you again. Hey, yeah. I'd rather be seen than viewed, but. <laughs> oh my God, I have so much to talk to you about. Um, yeah, if you don't, don't mind. Don't even ask. I'm so gonna, if you want to turn off your camera and do your show, that's fine. It just, it's been every single time we've talked, we've never been able to just be like face to face. Like you guys are with Stephanie and those people. And it's just like, you're adorable. Why can't I talk to you? <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I tell you what, if you're going to leave your camera on, I'll leave my camera on. Oh God. That's so nice of you. I okay. mean, you know, all I right. bet we you don't do that for just Excellent. anybody. Hey, first of all, happy Hanukkah. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. It's kind of a bizarre Hanukkah this year, but yeah, yeah. Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? No, I'm Catholic, so that's close. That's really close. Same God. Jesus was Jewish. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. Same guilt. No, but seriously, Bob, I got to ask. Okay. Okay. I have to ask. (laughs) All right. Why hasn't Joe Biden brought about world peace? I I don't know. Oh my God. Been in office now for how many months, and we still. Do not have. I, I'm, I'm outraged. I'm yeah. just outraged. No okay. world peace. No jetpacks made of beef. We are I, screwed I, as a is, country. What is going on? And we're still not on Mars yet. We're <laughs> not on Mars. Okay. So funny. So, like, oh my god. The man is a failure. And and Joe Biden's Christmas decorations. I, That's I right. just I'm embarrassed. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how can you live? With those Christmas, I, I'm so I'm so glad you're bringing all of this up, Donna. Oh my, because- and that cooking pot, the co- Kamala Harris bought a cooking pot. <laughs> yeah, the outrage! Right. I, 
Yeah, you posted on your blog about how first first ladies don't get no respect. And in that in that blog post, you also discussed this non-scandal scandal about Kamala Harris buying cookware in France. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I have to admit, I please don't hate me, but I have the exact same cooking pot. I do. Oh really? My husband. My husband, God bless him, mm. loves to cook. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've been very public about the fact that I'm a cancer survivor. And he got into like cooking some fancy stuff to cheer me up and this and that. And I thought that was really nice. And we got a cooking pot. There you oh. go. Yep. Yep. And people recommended to me, oh, you got to get this brand. I'm not going to say the brand on the air because I don't want to seem like I'm shilling for them. But on the other hand, that was the brand that was recommended by a couple of friends of mine who are cooks. Mm-hmm. And so we got that brand. It's been wonderful. I hope you didn't buy that cookware at a time when the press was pretending the economy sucked, even though it doesn't suck. Oh, I hope that God. wasn't the oh, time. The econ- of- but, but, there you are. But my question to you, and you know things. Yeah. I, here's what I want to know. What did Mike Pence buy? And did anyone track his purchases? Or is this just something we do when it's a female politician? I don't know anything about what Mike Pence purchased or didn't purchase. But I do know that Donald Trump wrote some checks out for hush money to a couple of people. One happens to be a, uh, a former porn star, now a porn director, and another one was a former Playboy Playmate. that he consorted with, um, how should we say politely, um, hookers? Yes. Is, is that a correct term for Yes. It? He wrote out checks for hundreds of thousands of dollars as hush money to people who were accusing him of, of various things. he didn't buy a cooking pot, okay? <laughs> yes, that's right. We can respect that, but we can't respect the purchasing of cook where my god I, I and in france of all places. i had i mean this was just an outrage okay? <laughs> that's right um but that having been said um i really believe yeah that the democrats have a messaging problem mm-hmm. okay and i'm not just saying this like friends of mine on the internet are like oh there you go again everything the democrats do is great nope nope i've mm. never been that way If I feel like the Democrats are doing something wrong, I am going to call BS on it just like I would with anything else. Unfortunately, we are living in a time where messaging is everything. Mm -hmm. And Republicans are masters at that two-word culture that we've talked about before. Find a slogan that's two or three words, critical race theory. I promise you, There is not one person out there other than a few professors who can define critical race theory. It's become this catch-all thing. You know, um, there's now a movement to like ban books in certain red states. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? I know. Let's ban books. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, freedom. Okay. Let's make sure that students don't read books. Mm -hmm. All right. But my point (laughs) is that message. When Glenn Youngkin ran successfully for governor, it was like, I'm going to ban critical race theory on day one. And as a professor, I sat there and went, ah, you're going to ban a thing that doesn't exist. But people think it exists because they've heard that slogan over and over and over. And it's become like, ah, you fill it with anything you want to fill it with. Okay. Uh, There are school departments where like now people are saying, well, I don't want my kids learning about Martin Luther King. I, okay. Because critical race theory. And from his grave, Martin Luther King is busily spinning because that is not what anything that he stood for was about. Mm -hmm. So why shouldn't children learn about his life? Why shouldn't children learn about all kinds of lives? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, it's one thing and they morphed it into uh, everything that has to do with race. So any mention of uh, slavery, any mention of Jim Crow automatically got categorized into critical race theory. But my question for you, Donna, I have a couple questions regarding democratic messaging for you. One, did something like critical race theory emerge from the Republican Party establishment or did it come from other sources like talk radio or Fox News Channel or obviously the myriad Internet sources? And then the Republican Party to, just co-opted it and used it uh, I'm to I'm going to answer on. your question yeah. with a question. OK. Does the Republican establishment still exist? <laughs> 
That is a really good question. It's now the Trump Republican establishment. Because when I was growing up, before the dinosaurs came, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, there really were moderate Republicans. Okay. The Charlie Bakers, the Larry Hogan's, even the Mitt Romney's, Mm -hmm. they were the norm. Okay. Mitt can go off the reservation a little bit, but by and large, these folks, they were not like out there. Mm -hmm. They were just like, yeah, fiscally conservative, but they pretty much didn't care what you did in your bedroom. And they pretty much stayed out of your religious beliefs. And they didn't try to like legislate morality. They just wanted balanced budgets. And maybe I didn't agree with some of their choices on, you know, spending this versus spending that, but they weren't crazy. Mm -hmm. And they didn't say things that were just like bomb throwing and provocative for talk radio. Okay. So that's what I grew up with. I've said to people, and they don't believe me, but I can I can prove it. I was able to work for moderate Republican candidates in the past. I mean, I have expertise in political communication, yeah. and I absolutely have worked with moderate Republicans, as I said. But these days, what moderate Republicans? Charlie <laughs> Baker just announced he's not running for governor. Yeah, right. He right. could have gotten reelected in a cakewalk. Because the people that were supporting him were independents, moderate Democrats. There were a whole bunch of folks that just were like, oh, you know, he's a moderate. He's like a decent guy. Now, again, did I agree with him? Did I vote for him? That's another story. Mm -hmm. But am I perfectly happy that he was governor? Yeah, he did a pretty good job. There's some things he could have done better. But you can say that about any governor. However, at least I could go to bed at night not worrying that he was going to appear on Fox News talking about people on January 6th were patriots. No, no, that was not how he talked. And he never got on Fox News as a result. Mm -hmm. But now he's not running. I don't know what Larry Hogan's up to. But my point is the Republican establishment, all five of them, no longer drive the conversation. The I guess conversation comes from the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boberts, the Matt Gateses, the you know the Madison Cawthorns, the stuff that these people say. Yeah, which when I was growing up would have gotten you banned from politics forever. Mm-hmm. Now gets them endless guest appearances. They fundraise off of it. People love them. Bobby, it's making me nervous. Mm-hmm. It is terrifying to me that if the Republicans win the midterms, those are the folks who are going to be in control of the party. And the message that they seem to be bringing is own the libs. Yeah. That's their entire message. That's it. No governing, no strategies for anything. I think it's quite rich. For some of these folks on the Republican side, God bless them, to be criticizing Biden. At least Biden's governing. Would somebody please tell me what governing Mr. Trump did? Would somebody please tell me what governing Republicans are doing in Congress? Mm -hmm. All they're doing is saying no to everything. Agreed. I'm fine. They don't like democratic policies. It's ever thus. When Republicans are in, Democrats don't like their policies. I get that. But there used to be, you sat down and you worked it out. I was very glad to see that bipartisan infrastructure bill. That used to be the norm. Mm -hmm. Now, however, you've got the total extremes running the messaging for the Republican Party. And the more extreme they get, the more money they raise. So it's almost like that behavior is being rewarded. And I find that terrifying Um, because I I blogged before this blog, I blogged about the fact that I'm hearing anti-Semitic discourses coming from Republicans that I never would have heard. Now, I know what some people are, oh, no, no more. Okay, but she's not running the party. Right. You can try to make her the face of the Democratic Party all you want, but she isn't, okay? Mm -hmm. Whereas some of these folks making the extreme remarks against Jews, against Muslims, against gay people, they're in 
positions of power in the Republican Party. Yep. They could be in a position to legislate. I am not gay. I'm heterosexual. But I don't want to see my gay friends have fewer rights than I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I am Jewish. And I don't like it when I hear people on that side saying that America should be a Christian nation. Ah, no. The First Amendment says Congress will make no law respecting an establishment of religion. So I am fine that my Christian friends love being Christian. I love being Jewish. My friend Getty Lee is an atheist. He's perfectly happy with that. (laughs) What do I care? Let a thousand flowers bloom. Mm -hmm. But keep the government out of my bedroom, which we'll talk about, and out of my religious practices, which we're talking about now. My point is, we used to have moderates who would rein these folks back in and say, just like, Christian nation, not a winning message, shot. Just don't want to hear you people. Today, nope. Did you hear Kevin McCarthy say anything to Lauren Boebert when she basically said that Ilhan Omar is a terrorist yeah. um, and that she could be carrying a backpack with bombs in it. I, no offense. I don't agree with Ilhan Omar on a whole bunch of issues. And she's as American as I am. Thank you very much, because I have relatives that were naturalized. And if we're going to go play that card, let's go look and see who every single member of Congress, who were their relatives. It's silly. Yeah. And yet, did you was was I asleep when Mr. McCarthy disciplined Lauren Boebert and said, like, don't talk that way when uh, Gosar did that animated thing where he was like, you know, killing AOC? Was was I asleep when Mr. McCarthy <laughs> disciplined him and said, like, that's just not appropriate for a member of. Oh, wait, he did. He did not. That's, no, no. It's making me nervous. So mm. back to the messaging right now, the messaging seems to be. Anything goes as long as it owns the libs, raises money, and makes Mr. Trump happy. Everybody's trying to be Mm Trumpy. They're trying to talk as rudely and nastily as possible, which I find profoundly disappointing because I know some of these people. I've worked with some of these people. They didn't used to be like this. Yeah. And obviously- They feel they have to act this way because, ladies and gentlemen, today's Republican Party. Yeah. I don't even recognize it. The big difference between the parties, Donna, is the Republicans are talking to just their bubble. And so, therefore, they can say whatever the hell they want, whereas the Democrats are still making an effort to reach out to non-Democratic voters. And that's the other thing that breaks my heart is listening to some of these Republican legislators who seem to be all about, hey, if I say this, I'll get on Fox News tonight. And I totally get it. I really do. Every politician, since politics was invented, wants to get on camera. And before there was cameras, they wanted to get on radio. And before there was radio, you get where I'm going. I understand. How do you know a politician wants to get publicity? Their lips are moving. Yes, because that's what politicians do. That doesn't bother me. What does bother me is what you just said. Instead of trying to legislate, instead of trying to govern, instead of trying to just have principal differences with this one or that one and let's find compromise, everything's about what is the most outrageous thing I can say that will get me lots of play on social media and then get me on Fox News tonight. Yeah. And I'm like, God, that's no way to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the Republicans have this crazy caucus where it seems like there are a number of especially Republican House members, but there are a few on the Senate side whose entire job it is to bang pots and pans together and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. They're like rodeo clowns. They don't legislate. They don't serve on any committees. They're just there to be noisemakers and to kind of raise money and to raise money. Exactly. Exactly. Stoking the base. And here again, this kind of. Trumpy behavior, which mm-hmm. now, as a media historian, I cannot say that Donald Trump is the only person in history who ever did this. Of course, he isn't, but he weaponized it. Yeah. He took pettiness, vindictiveness, viciousness to a whole new level. And now, if people want to get elected in that party, 
they have to sound like that too, mm-hmm. which I think is profoundly disappointing. And it's terrible for our politics. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, just going back to the Democratic messaging here for a second, and I completely agree with you. I mean, I think the Democrats could always do better when it comes to constructing more salient things to say. Something that fits on. They're not on... breaking through. Yeah, They're so... not breaking through. Exactly. And can I can I possibly critique the media for a second? Oh, sure. Um, remember when, I believe it was Les Moonves, back when he was with CBS, mm-hmm. he said, Donald Trump is terrible for America, but he's great for CBS. Yeah. I sincerely believe that an awful lot of network executives, while they held their nose about Mr. Trump, he was great for ratings. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh my God, what controversial thing did he say next? And now here we have Uncle Joe. And -hmm. whether you like him or whether you hate him, Joe is not a bomb thrower. And let me put something out there for some of my friends who don't like Uncle Joe. He's not senile. He doesn't have dementia. Please mm. don't do that. A very dear friend of mine just died of that disease. Ugh. It's real different from what you're talking about. Oh, you don't yeah. want to agree yeah. with Biden. Fine with me. But he's not senile and he doesn't have dementia. You just don't like his policies mm-hmm. so well. Right. But here's the problem. Compared to Trump, Biden's boring. Mm-hmm. Jill Biden's Christmas decorations. Boring. The cabinet. Boring. All of them. Boring. Now, I'm not saying that they really are. I'm saying that compared to what we had before, where it was like a crisis a minute, an outrage a minute, a crazy thing a minute, people saying bizarre stuff right and left, vindictiveness, pettiness, weaponized aggression. Oh, my God, you couldn't catch your breath. It was exhausting. Mm -hmm. It was to the point where. You couldn't even have a weekend show. Remember, you know, back in the old days when the cable news shows on the weekends, they just showed like reruns of whatever because. Yeah, prison shows. Yeah, it was going to happen anyhow. Mm -hmm. And suddenly for the past four and a half years, it's been a crisis a minute. Yeah. And then along came Joe. And Joe is just normal. He's a normal president. You don't have to like him. You don't have to hate him. But the guy's normal as can be. Mm -hmm. And I personally believe that there's a lot of folks in the media that got addicted to the kind of crisis a minute stuff they had under Trump. Oh yeah. They complain about it, but boy, howdy, now that it's gone, they miss it. And that's why I think they're trying so hard without realizing it in some cases to just generate silly controversies when there really aren't any. Mm -hmm. The economy's going great guns. If Mr. Trump had the kind of economy that Biden has right now, he would have been talking about it 24-7. Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, Joe Biden is on target to hit 7 million new jobs at the end of his first year. The economy really is bouncing back nicely. Mm -hmm. Supply chain, I'm sorry. I just had to get into this with somebody because, oh, it was because Buttigieg took my paternity leave. I No. And nothing one one of these things is not like the other. Okay, the supply chain issues are worldwide. And by the way, as I said earlier, I try to be really fair to the facts. I was raised like that. If Trump were president, I would be saying the exact same thing. The supply chain wasn't his fault. The supply chain isn't Biden's fault. It's a worldwide problem that was brought on by a multitude of factors, including the pandemic, including the fact that poor nations don't have access to vaccines, including corruption in a number of countries, et cetera, et cetera. And now you've really got a problem at the ports. Biden and his team are doing what they're supposed to do. They're governing. Mm-hmm. Is it going to straighten out in five days? Oh, my God. Yeah, he didn't bring world peace and he didn't bring an end to all the supply chain problems. <laughs> yeah. But it has nothing to do. Well, if Pete Buttigieg hadn't taken paternity leave. No, that, no, <laughs> no, amazing. no. The yeah. truth is the supply chain problems have been building for a long time. It really is time for labor and management and international conglomerates to take a real look at how we do shipping, because this really has exposed an awful lot of weaknesses in the supply chain. 
It's going to happen again. And the best thing anyone can do is what Biden is doing, sitting down with everybody and trying to find some answers. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm sorry that it isn't getting resolved in three days, but I wish the media would cut him a little slack. I think the media are so worried about being perceived as liberal that they're overcompensating by being excessively critical. of. Do you think some of the enablers uh, in the news media realize the the ones who want Donald Trump, who say, you know what, that was so exciting. The the crisis a minute thing. That was great for ratings. It was great for my career. Let's have more of that. Do, Do these people realize that if Trump is president again, if Trump somehow wins in 2024 and he's gonna run, I mean, do they realize that the so-called enemies of the people, the press, are going to be the first ones to be black bagged and imprisoned in that kind of scenario, potentially? I mean, do they realize that they're kind of committing suicide by encouraging the return of Trump in the White House or Trump clones in the White House or Trump clones in Congress and on down the line? Is that even occurring to them? No, I don't think they're thinking that far ahead. and. If I may, I really do need to differentiate between the hardworking reporters who are trying to do God's work, who are being fair to the facts. It irritates me, by the way, when people say, oh, the media, Uh please don't, please don't. Okay, because the media are made up of a multitude of different sources. I love it when politicians claim that they're being censored by the media. And where are they saying this? On a media channel. (laughs) Yeah, and in fact, you know what? Next week, I'm interviewing Heather Timmons. She's the White House editor for Reuters. And she and I had a discussion the other day on Twitter in which she was pushing back, basically saying what you were just saying, Donna. She was pushing back against the generalizations about the news media in general, deliberately painting this gloomy picture of the Biden record so far, despite the realities on the ground. And I agree that not every publication is engaged in this false narrative, but it's a lot of the big ones, isn't yeah. it? I mean, and that's a real problem. See, yeah. The media and this case, in this case, I will generalize because mm-hmm. I'm a media historian and right. I've looked at the trends, the media in general, love, the horse race. Mm-hmm. They are addicted to horse race journalism. Who's up? Who's down? Who's ahead? Who's behind? Who's coming up fast? Who isn't? Who's winning? Who's losing? And when you look at it that way, you know, I mean, uh, if you're a hammer, you think everything's a nail. You That's know? right. Yeah, so yeah. unfortunately, if you think everything is a horse race, then, oh my God, I, Biden hasn't done this. And he's up and he's down and he's in and he's out. And Instead of just kind of looking at what is he doing, like, let's hold him to a standard that we've held other presidents to. He isn't Trump. He isn't Obama. He isn't Jimmy Carter. He isn't name seven other people. Mm -hmm. He's Joe Biden. Let's just look at his presidency that way. I know there is a tendency to want to turn it into, is he winning? Is he losing? Is he up? Is he down? I get that. But that can be almost self, you know, self-fulfilling. Oh my God, his poll numbers are down. Well, if you've done any research, and I know you have, Mm -hmm. it really depends on how you ask the question. His policies are really popular in most cases. Oh yeah. So how can his policies be popular? They're his policies. And yet everybody's upset with him. That doesn't make a giant amount of sense. So what worries me is that by being addicted to the horse race, it makes it seem like, oh my God, a day has passed and he hasn't done X. Whereas I'm thinking more big picture. So no, I don't think the media are thinking ahead at all. I think the news media in general are thinking now, 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 which of course they need to. But I really believe they also need to kind of do a little retrospective and think about how things used to be. Mm-hmm. And then also think about how things are going to be. That's right. I know I'm not asking, you know, Kristen Welker or Brett Bayer or anybody. I'm not asking them to predict the future. I am, however, saying, look at the trends, kids. Look at what happened to you over the past four years. You really want to go back to that again? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was great for your ratings. 
but it was horrible for your profession. All right, more Donna here in just a second. But first, today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or maybe preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, BetterHelp is going to assess your needs and match you with your own licensed therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is real professional therapy done securely online. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your therapist, and you're going to get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available if you can't afford it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Seska. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-E-S-C-A. Link in the description. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. And here, your special offer for Bob Seska Show listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Seska. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-E-S-C-A. BetterHelp.com slash Seska. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. It just seems like newsrooms, editors, executive producers on the TV side, they're not realizing the changing parameters of our politics. They're not understanding that the stakes are no longer the horse race, the Democrats versus the Republicans, the elephants versus the donkeys. That's no longer the paradigm that we're dealing with anymore. What we're talking about is a group of normals that include quite a few Republicans, by the way, and then this new Trumpism Republican Party that is committed to bringing about fascism and replacing democracy with this. And you know something? You know something? When people throw around the word fascism, it used to really worry me because it's like such an exaggeration. Mm. But we really do have one political party on the right that is committed to a cult of personality that looks an awful lot like an anti-democratic party and i mean small d's you know like somebody that doesn't particularly like democracy and that really would like autocracy i'm sorry i liked barack obama i didn't agree with everything he did but i really did like him okay Mm -hmm. but i sure didn't want to see him installed as king i really didn't okay i my favorite presidents whoever they may have been i was really glad that at a certain point in time they were going to have to run for office again Mm. all right i don't want to live under an autocracy this whole cult of personality this whole dear leader you know whatever he wants is okay with me makes me horribly nervous and every republican including ronald reagan is busily doing backflips in their graves because (laughs) this is not i mean ronald reagan couldn't get into this republican party Mm -hmm. he couldn't yeah i've said this before people would have been like he had amnesty for illegals no he basically you know let in um you know caesar milan you know the the dog whisperer and a whole bunch of other people but So what? We've let immigrants into this country repeatedly over the decades. What's the harm? Now, I understand. Let's have a debate about undocumented this and that. But can we all agree about the dreamers? I had a student, and I've mentioned this before. I had a student who was a dreamer. He did not know he was illegal. He had never been to Mexico. His parents came here when he was six months old. Okay, he was in diapers. He did not say one morning, hey, you know what? I can't talk yet, but if I could talk, I'd want to be illegal. Yeah, that's what I want to be. But the fact is, he lived here all his life. Mm -hmm. He found out when he was 18 years old and trying to go to college that he was undocumented. He should go back to Mexico. Really? I'm sorry. He has contributed to this country. He's lived here all his life. Let him in. Mm -hmm. And. Ronald Reagan would have said exactly the same thing, but not this cast of characters. That's right. I, I'm just the whole thing mystifies me. Yeah, you know, how I, can you be against democracy? Oh, exactly. And you know what? I've also been coupling fascism uh, with the notion of idiocracy. 
So when I'm looking ahead to uh, Republicans winning over more state trifectas, when I'm looking ahead to Donald Trump possibly returning to the White House or the Republicans retaking the majority in Congress uh, next year, I'm thinking in terms of not just the fascism, but the fact that they are so actively exploiting the for lack of a better term, the low information voters. That's the idiocracy side of this. And one of the things, I want to get your take on this, Donna, because this is absolutely baffling to me. This kind of plays into the idiocracy side of this discussion. And this is a new talking point. And I thought of this, you mentioned uh, immigration a second ago. And it occurred to me that... (laughs) This might be the dumbest thing I've ever seen the Republicans do by way of putting a talking point out there. Republican messaging. Uh, I first noticed it when I think it was the GOP account, the official Republican Twitter account, tweeted this. Breaking. 192,000 illegal immigrants were apprehended at the southern border last month, the highest number of September apprehensions ever recorded by DHS. And they're presenting this as bad news for Joe Biden. Now, next, there's a, a couple of more of these. Ronna McDaniel, who's the chairwoman of the GOP, she tweeted 899 pounds of fentanyl and 15,000 pounds of methamphetamine were seized at the southern border in October alone. This much fentanyl is the equivalent of 204 million lethal doses we need border security. Here's another one. Didn't uh, Elise Stefanik say that this is bad news yes, for Joe Biden. All this exactly. The- 800 pounds of fentanyl, Elise Stefanik bad tweeted, news. were seized at our southern bad border. Bad news for Joe Biden. Yes, exactly. And then finally, Chuck Grassley tweeted basically the same thing, that uh, the amount of drugs, the amount of fentanyl they seized could kill more than one quarter of the world's population. This presented as bad news for Joe Biden when it's unequivocally great news for Joe Biden's border policy. They're stopping it. They're stopping it. Hello? Uh, I guess he shouldn't. He's being unfair to fentanyl. Do I see fentanyl out there marching? Like, you know, how dare you keep me out? Don't you know who I am? He's being unfair to fentanyl. That's amazing. Yes, because that seems to be what they're arguing, but it's confounding. If you're a Republican, why on earth would you tweet this as bad news? And then I guess my second question is, do we just ignore this and allow them to continue to compliment Joe Biden? Or do we emphasize the fact that the Republicans are complimenting Joe Biden's border record and use uh, that the, somehow? Uh, the, ads, the ads just write themselves. Yeah, I know. Really, the ads write <laughs> themselves. Right. Like the movie ads, yeah. Can I say something to you that I haven't heard a lot of people say, Mm -hmm. besides the fact that you're wonderful, you're marvelous, you're fabulous, (laughs) you're beautiful, all of these things. Thank you. But I want to talk about something that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. And I invite my reporter friends to follow up because Mm -hmm. there are a few things that have, like a couple of stories have sort of vaguely mentioned this, but I think it's a bigger problem than most people want to know. And by the way, the Wall Street Journal, God bless them. The opinion side is like totally Trumpy, but the news side is doing some really good holding them yep. accountable reporting. So like I said to my friends, are, oh, you're just pro-Democrat. No, I'm pro-facts. And whoever's got them, in this case, the Wall Street Journal had them. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how Facebook has done a iffy job at like, you know, stomping out disinformation in English and a terrible job stomping it out in Spanish. Uh. So I saw a report and I don't know where I saw it and somebody ought to check it out um, that the reason so many immigrants came to the border and created this border crisis is because they suddenly mysteriously received messaging on social media in Spanish saying that Biden was declaring an amnesty, come to the border. Wow. This could be, this could have been a dirty trick uh-huh. from some Republican or pro-Trump operatives trying to create a crisis for Biden. Oh my I God. Do not, I, I, it's worth checking out. Yeah. And the people that I saw it from are not like guys in a diner. These are people who are bilingual. And they said they saw some of these messages. Okay. And I'm really curious about how much 
misinformation and disinformation is still spreading in Spanish, in Haitian Creole, in Chinese, and is really stirring up immigrant populations and no one's doing thing one about it. The Democrats, if they need anything, they need to have a social media expert who is multilingual mm -hmm. and who can keep an eye on some of the websites that aren't in English. Yeah. Because we can police the internet about some of this stuff. But I just get the impression, for example, in the last election, there is evidence that the reason Biden didn't do as well with Hispanic voters as he expected to do was all of these messages in Spanish saying he was a communist, a socialist, that he was uh, friends with Maduro, that he was friends with, you know, the dead Cesar Chavez and, you know, all of these other, you know, <laughs> dictators. Forgive yeah. me on Chavez. I'm thinking somebody else's name. You know who I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. the, the uh, Ortega. I'm sorry, yes. Daniel Ortega. Um, and all of these people that are like, you know, dictators and commies and this is Biden's friends and low information voters are seeing this in Spanish. And they voted Republican. That's incredible. I, I you know, Donna, I, it really convinces me that we need to start treating. Glad to have me on your show, Bobby. One thousand percent. You know, and it convinces me. Um, and forgive me to the late great Caesar Chavez. My apologies. <laughs> I misspoke. You can't take me anywhere. Well, I, I've been watching the the miniseries Dope Sick on Hulu, and I feel as though yep, yep. the approach that we take to Facebook, we need to adapt some of how we went after. And I'm talking about about the DEA, I'm talking about certain U.S. attorneys, how they went after Purdue Pharma over OxyContin. I feel like we need to take the same approach, the same aggressive approach when it comes to Facebook, because what Facebook is doing very similarly to Purdue Pharma is they're marketing this BS to certain groups of voters, whether Absolutely. it's Spanish speaking voters or American speaking Absolutely. voters. Yeah, and that can't continue any further without being held accountable beyond what uh, has happened so far. But I just thought I would mention this, and it might be worth checking into further, because I don't know what kind of engagement team the Democrats have multilingually. Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, the Republicans are eating their lunch on this. Oh, yeah. They yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, one other thing. I, I heard something interesting this morning, and it's not the first time I've heard it, but I thought I'd ask you. OK. Um, Claire McCaskill, who is a what used to be called a blue dog Democrat. Mm -hmm. She was a conservative Democrat from Missouri. Um, she has no longer she lost her election. So now she's a commentator, uh, mostly on MSNBC. And she was talking about the Supreme Court hearings that we all listened to this morning. No reason to really listen. I think we know what's going to happen. The court was packed with ultra conservatives who their litmus test was that they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. Now, wherever you stand with respect to Roe v. Wade, I respect your opinion. I personally do not believe the government should be telling me what to do with my body. I agree. The irony there of a party that claims to be in favor of freedom, no masks for us, no vaccination, but we're going to tell women what to do with their body, even if they're girls who have been raped. We're going to tell them what eh, seems a bit hypocritical. No, but Claire McCaskill asked a very good question. Mm -hmm. She said, we're about to have the, um, the dog catches the car moment. Like your dog chases the car endlessly, knowing he will never catch it. Yeah. But it's fun to chase it. What happens when he catches it? Then what does he do? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I suppose he can chew on the tires a little bit. But I mean, once you've gotten the thing you claimed you wanted. Okay. So for umpty fumpty years, very, very hard right folks and some center right, let's be honest, have wanted to see Roe v. Wade overturned. Mm -hmm. This ultra conservative Supreme Court that has been packed with ultra conservatives will probably say goodbye to Roe v. Wade. I can see it all now. Okay. In the summer of next year, when it's decided, the dog will catch the car. All the Republicans that wanted Roe v. Wade overturned, you might get your wish. Yeah. 
but be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. That's Who do you think that's such that a great will mobilize Democrats, moderate Republicans, and anybody else who thinks the government should stay out of people's bedrooms. Go oh, on. yeah, absolutely. And so what the Republicans are doing is they're actually weakening themselves. One of the main things that holds the Republican coalition together is the attempt to overturn Roe v. Wade. That is what accumulates uh, piles and piles of cash for oh war God. chests. That's what yep. c- keeps the whole thing glued together because across the board, for most of the far right, I mean, save for a few moderate Republicans, the abortion issue is what congeals all of them together. And then you take that out of the mix and you're talking about now, and and this is the teeny tiny silver lining to the whole reversal of of Roe issue, uh, is that the Republican Party then begins to disintegrate. Is that sort of what you're seeing as well, that you you take this off the table? Can I I also offer you the friendly Jewish person perspective? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) No, because mine's going to be a little different from some people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, ask a rabbi, please feel free. Okay. Um, most rabbis will tell you that they don't believe life begins at conception. They don't believe the fetus is a person at conception. They, in fact, there are varying views in various religions about when life begins. Yep. This decision strikes me as an attempt by extremely religious Christians of certain denominations to impose their interpretation over all the rest of us. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I believe in freedom of religion. If you believe life begins at conception, I respect your views, but I respectfully disagree with them because my tradition teaches something different. Yeah. My tradition also teaches that the life of the mother takes precedence over anything. Okay. If that's what's going to save the life of the mother, End of story, save the life of the mother. Mm -hmm. But an awful lot of these laws in many states not only don't have a rape or incest exception, they don't even have a save the life of the mother exception. So, I mean, it's almost kind of like you got pregnant. We're about to punish you. And again, if that's your religious belief, Auntie Donna salutes you. (laughs) But Auntie Donna used to be a chaplain. And Auntie Donna has done chaplain work with just about every faith you can think of. Okay. And I'm all about tolerance. So I tolerate other people's beliefs. And I don't mean tolerate in the sense of like putting up with, I mean, in the sense, the, the original sense, which is I have room for, I don't agree with, but I have room for, but I don't want anyone imposing their definition on me. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Here in Massachusetts, years ago, the legislature, which was dominated by Christians, said the Sabbath is on Sunday. End of story. Everything has to close on Sunday. Uh, all the Jewish merchants said, uh, ours is on Saturday, to which the legislature said, tough. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday. Yeah. End of story. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And... <laughs> Um, the Jewish people were like, you're discriminating against us, folks. Mm-hmm. It took years and court cases, you know, I, people don't like lawyers until they need one. And finally, the legislature came up with an exception like, oh, if you're Jewish and your Sabbath is on a Saturday, fine, but you mm-hmm. still have to close on Sunday. So then they had to litigate about, well, can't we open on Sunday and et cetera. And etc. So this Supreme Court decision to me looks like can of worms mm-hmm. because it really is going to discriminate against anyone who does not believe that life begins at conception, anybody who does not believe there should be an exception for rape or incest, anybody who does believe there should be one. It's going to put the government in charge of not just personal decisions, but religious decisions. Yeah. You know, it'd be amazing if Republicans actually saw Roe v. Wade for what it actually is, which is, to me, an inherently American compromise. And the reason it's a compromise, Roe v. Wade, is because it legalizes abortion, of course, 
but only up to viability. That's the compromise. I still think the bottom line is, do we really take the First Amendment seriously? Yeah, I know. And what does freedom mean? I mean, I watched the governor of Mississippi give what I felt was the most disingenuous answer when Chuck Todd awoke and asked (laughs) a very good question of him. Um, Usually, God bless him, he tends to let the righties give every talking point they can possibly give, and he just basically takes stenography. Um, But, you know, I'm sure he's a wonderful person. I would be lying if I've said I've met him, and now I probably will never meet him. Sorry, Chuck. Um, (laughs) But the fact remains. Um, He asked the governor of Mississippi, what is the difference between you folks claiming freedom to, you know, we want freedom, we can't have masks, we can't have vaccines, you know, freedom, and yet you're telling a pregnant woman what to do with her body? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's different. Okay, how is it different? Well, you know, masks and, and vaccine, that's just about the individual. And this is like Chuck awoke and said, no, no, it's about public policy. If you get COVID, you're going to give it to a whole bunch of people. Yes. God. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And and so now you're seeing the new message coming out of Fox News and elsewhere with the Omicron variant that, oh, this is a great opportunity to go out and get COVID and get natural immunity. And so then you're going to be okay. Which is just, which is insane for exactly the reason you were just describing, because you could go out and get people. We also have people on Fox News saying that this isn't really a a thing. It's just like Biden trying to like get attention and it's fake. (laughs) It's all about the midterms, right? Well, then what happens is someone goes out, gets Omicron because they think they're getting natural immunity. And then what they end up doing is they end up spreading Omicron to a bunch of other people who might not fare as well as they do, who might end up on a ventilator, who might end up dying. I am proud to say I got my vaccine when it was available and I got my booster when I was available. Me too. Thank you, President Biden. Right. Okay. And seriously, you know what else irritates me while we have a minute? Sure. Um, I lost relatives in the Holocaust. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure an awful lot of Jewish people and some Gentiles lost people in the Holocaust. When I hear commentators on Fox News, or any other right-wing channel comparing Dr. Fauci to Mengele or Hitler, it just makes me want to scream. One more time on this. Barack Obama wasn't Hitler. Donald Trump, not Hitler. Mm. Joe Biden, not Hitler. Hitler was Hitler. That's right. Okay? And there is no comparison. It is lazy. It is anti-Semitic. If you don't like Dr. Fauci, say so. He served five presidents from both parties. But comparing him to someone who did experiments on Jews during World War II, shame on you. Okay? And Laura Logan, shame on you. You used to have credibility. Fox News for broadcasting something like that. Shame on you. And shame on Rupert Murdoch for not calling all those people into his office and saying, never do that again. But Mm -hmm. hey, it's good for ratings. Let's (laughs) compare people to Nazis. Yay! That's right. (laughs) Yeah, you know, with Fauci, what Fauci represents to Republican voters is exactly everything they hate. And the Republican Party establishment, as well as the, you know, the uh, uh, conservative entertainment complex, they're taking full advantage of the fact that Fauci is a smart person who's telling people what to do. And that is the most evil kind of character in the minds of this new Republican Party. You know what else he's doing, Bobby? He's doing what you and I do, Mm -hmm. okay? You and I are educated people. I'm not saying we're brilliant. I'm not saying we're perfect. But have you ever been wrong? Have you ever been wrong about something? Oh, yes. Good. What did you do? Didn't I could like admit it, acknowledge it, correct it. Yes. Did you do that or did yeah. you just double down and keep saying the same thing over and over again? <laughs> I don't think so. I've listened to your stuff for years. Yeah. I'm the same way. Okay. If I do something wrong, which absolutely I have gotten stories wrong. I am human. 
Sometimes I'd like to believe that my information is flawless, but people make mistakes, okay? And when I make a mistake, I own it and I fix it. Dr. Fauci is doing what scientists do. On March whatever, he said, don't wear a mask. Then new information came along that showed that the virus was very transmissible. So he said, wear a mask. Certain people are like, he changed his mind. God, I hope so. Because educated people, and I'm not talking, did you go to college? I'm talking like, are you willing to look at facts or are you so ideological that all you care about is my side good, your side bad? Mm-hmm. That's no way to live. So what Dr. Fauci did was what I would hope he would do. He got new information and he changed his view based on data. Okay. So you don't hear Dr. Fauci at this moment saying, oh my God, Omicron, Omicron, oh my God, oh my God. What he is saying is, yeah, it could be serious or it could be mild. And the data right now suggests that if you are vaccinated, it will be mild. So please go get vaccinated. Thank you very much. But I'm not hearing him going off the deep end. And yet his political opponents, he didn't used to be seen as political. He worked for Republican presidents. That's he, it. I mean, the guy's 80, for heaven's sake. Sharp as a tack. Mm-hmm. Still cute. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> I mean, he's still energized. Mm-hmm. He's still, like, happy to be out there. But the fact that he is getting death threats just for being a scientist and just for putting forward a view that some people don't like is shameful. Yeah. The fact that election officials and talk show hosts, and various politicians are the default right now. And in this case, I do think Mr. Trump opened up this can of worms. The default position these days for if you don't agree with somebody is phoning a death threat. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. It's sad. And you know, the thing with Fauci, Donna, is I think what they're trying to do also is they're deferring the blame that would land on Donald Trump onto Dr. Fauci. So, oh, it was really Dr. Fauci who dropped the ball early on. It wasn't Trump deliberately telling people to go out and and liberate Michigan. It wasn't Trump saying that we need to bleach. bleach. Yeah, we got got to try that. Yeah, all that crap that happened early on. And the and the horse dewormer. I mean, I hope your horse is doing very well. Okay. Your horse right. probably won't get COVID for <laughs> Exactly. But the whole idea with Fauci is he is a scapegoat. That's the reason why they're being so ferocious about it, because it's not really as much about attacking Fauci as it is about defending Donald Trump. That's Absolutely. where the ferocity is. Is is but I, I just one one more time on this, please, folks. You can disagree with every single thing we say, but do you have to phone in death threats? Mm -hmm. Do you have to threaten people's children? Do you have to compare people to Hitler and Mengele and this and that? You're not doing your cause any good. Maybe you're stirring up people. Maybe you're getting ratings for certain talk shows, but it's horrible for mm-hmm. our democracy. Yeah, and and you know what? Look, I don't make a lot of friends on our own side, Donna, when I mention this, but uh, the notion of confronting politicians when they're at a restaurant eating dinner or yeah, throwing please, a pie please, in the please, face of please. Ann Coulter or no, whatever no, else goes on, no, throwing no. shoes at George W. Bush. I was no, no George W. Bush fan. Anyone who read my work back then knows that I, I despise the guy as a president. But throwing shoes at him, that opens the gateway to a different Absolutely. kind of politics that's I, much I more personal. I don't care which side they're on. Let them eat dinner. Yeah. Them have pie. Mm-hmm. You want to protest outside their home? Fine. If it's a public way, you should protest outside their home. Right. But banging on their door and threatening them and no, no, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. I don't care which side is doing it. No, no. Just stop. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is where we are. If life is now professional wrestling, okay. Yeah. If life is now my side versus your side in an epic battle, then there's no rules. Yeah. There's no rules. And, and, and part, that's really, really sad. And part of the reason I think this, Donna, is from a purely selfish point of view. I'm worried about people like you and people like me and people like Kimberly Johnson and some of the other people we uh, interact with online. 
I'm worried about all of us suddenly becoming a target where people are pounding at our front door, which has already happened to my dad because he has the same name as I do. Uh, An Alex Jones disciple ended up confronting him at his front doorstep, thinking that it was my address and not his address. We can't go down this road. We shouldn't go down this road. So we need to be very careful. Yeah. I always try to be courteous to people. Okay? Mm-hmm. People can say a lot of things about me. People are going to listen to this and go, I disagreed with everything you said. And I'm going to be like, fine. Yeah. Like I said, let a thousand flowers bloom. Okay. Mm-hmm. But let's never forget to be courteous to each other. It's the holiday season. Let your light shine. I mean that yeah. sincerely. We need light in the darkness. It's mm-hmm. Hanukkah this week. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. That's right. Okay. But the bottom line, every holiday, every Every religious tradition has holidays, and the holidays in most cases are times for people to just be together and be friendly. Don't fight with your uncle about this or that. Hearts and minds are not going to be changed. Mm-hmm. Just eat lunch. We all need a space. That's what I was saying about the first ladies. It's like, I don't care whose Christmas decorations are better. I don't care whether Kamala Harris bought a cooking pot. I couldn't care less. What I care about is there's an awful lot of people dying of COVID that aren't vaccinated because they're getting misinformation. What I care about is that there are a lot of poor people living alone who would like to go to work, but they can't find daycare for their children and they can't find a bus line that is up and running so that they can get to their jobs. What I care about is the discourse that we used to be able to have, we're looking at each other as enemies instead of people with differing points of view. That's what I care about. I Mm. care about trying to bridge the divide. I don't think I'm going to change anybody's hearts or minds right now, not the way we are, but I do hope we can all believe in democracy. And I look at one political party and I got my doubts. It sure doesn't seem like they do believe in democracy. I'm not saying my side is perfect. I'm absolutely not. But I am saying, I hope that we can all agree. America's a good country. It's got some bad people right now and they're running the discourse. (laughs) Yeah. They don't speak for me. Mm -hmm. They don't speak for me. And I know they don't speak for you either. And they don't speak for a lot of the principled Republicans and Democrats who are just trying to make the country better. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on them instead of on the raving crazies is all I'm saying. Well, before we wrap up, Donna, I have one last question. It's the most important question, I think, of the entire show so far. Uh, no, I will not leave my husband and marry you. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> oh, don't. Damn. I, I won't do it. I just All won't do right. it. All no. right. Okay. <laughs> will you buy me a radio Shoot. station? Then I'll leave. Okay. okay just yeah. buy me a radio station. I'm yours. We'll work on that. We'll put together a GoFundMe okay. and we'll, we'll get that started. But uh, here's the actual most important question. Sounds like Getty and Alex... <laughs> might be on their way to a new recording project. Have you heard any rumors, anything, uh, you know, you just coming said across the magic your desk? Word. You yeah. just said the magic word, rumors. Rumors, Okay. Yeah. And I love a good rumor as much as anybody. Okay. <laughs> okay. The last time I heard this mm-hmm. was like today years old. Okay. I'm just, I keep hearing this stuff relentlessly. Yeah. I talked to Alex a few months ago mm. and he said, basically, At some point, yeah, Getty and I might collaborate. But right now, we're both really busy with side projects. We're both really busy with our own lives. It's so nice. I mean, nice as in we have families. We can watch our grandchildren grow up. Oh, yeah. Wow. We're not on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean we'll never? No, we talk to each other all the time. Seriously. But in terms of going into the studio tomorrow, no, I haven't have not heard that. And if it happens, terrific. But if it doesn't happen, Rush left us with four plus decades of great music. Mm -hmm. I feel profoundly grateful to have known them, to have spent time with them, to be friends with them and their families. And I haven't even sought out like, you know, what's the latest? I get asked about this often. And I'm just really philosophical about it. Yeah, yeah. Let them have their lives. Mm-hmm. Let them hang with their families. And when the time is right, if they want to do something together, 
Yeah. God bless them. I hope it works out well. But if they don't, I still love listening to all the stuff they left us with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there was a dignity uh, with the way they retired finally. Obviously, it was horrible to lose Neil, but that was after the fact. They went out just at the right time. They went out on a high watermark and uh, yeah. and, and leaving you know us wanting more. The best thing was about the way they went out. They went out at the top of their game. Exactly Neil right. said one yeah. time, he yeah. said, I don't want to go out as a caricature of myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want people like, oh my God, they can't hit the notes anymore. They can't play their instruments anymore and yet they're getting wheeled out there just to make a buck that's right no yeah yeah. we want to play at the top of our game and when we go out we want to go out on our own terms amen and that's exactly what they did and you know what else is great bobby the fact that they went out the same nice people as when they came in when i first met them in 1974 They were just really sweet kids, down to earth, nice people. Years later, as millionaires with a star on the Walk of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, nice kids, totally Mm -hmm. down to earth, a little older, maybe they weigh a little more, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But they kept themselves in shape. But you know what I'm saying. Sure. Um, They never let success go to their heads. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. They were nice people then. They're nice people now. God bless them. If they want to collaborate, let them do so. If they don't want to collaborate, fans have a lot to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Let me wish everyone a wonderful holiday, whatever you celebrate. Absolutely. And let me thank you for the privilege of being on your show, because I don't get a chance to talk a lot of politics these days. There's a lot of stuff going on in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. But I really welcome the opportunity to be on your show. I hope I made some sense. I hope I was halfway interesting. And let's do it again sometime. Oh, my God, yes. And the pleasure is all mine, Donna. You are the best. I love having you on the show. So anytime you want to come back, you have an open invitation. You know that. The uh, blog is called Dialogue and Discourse, dhelperblog.blogspot.com. I got links in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. Thank you again. Happy Hanukkah. Best to uh, to you and your entire family, Donna. Thank you, Sunshine. And to you also, whatever you celebrate, may it be absolutely excellent. You bet. Can't wait to talk to you again. 